Hello and welcome to Murder on Her Mind. I'm Caitlin O'Malley and I'm your host of this podcast. Alright guys, well, I hope you are having a wonderful Thursday. I had a great week. Uh, work is kind of getting busier again, which is really nice. So, um, and yeah, I've just been on my treadmill, running away. It's been great. I haven't really been up to much and I don't even know what I'm going to be doing this weekend coming up, but... Um, I guess we'll soon see. I think everyone's kind of laying low. Again, fucking COVID. It's the bane of everyone's existence. But um, yeah, so we'll see. We ended up having a wonderful Halloween weekend. My um, Tuesday episode I pre-recorded before that. So that was great. Got uh, my dad and my boyfriend all dressed up for um, Home Alone. They went as the Wet Bandits. Um, and my boyfriend's really tall with curly hair and then my dad's kind of short and stubby so um, I don't know their names I can't remember their names now the names of the characters but uh, it was really really fun and then our Irish neighbours the O'Briens they came over and their son is the spit of Macaulay Culkin it is mad how much they look alike so I got him to come over with just like a Christmas jumper on like a sweater um so that was really fun and we all just kind of hung out I'm kind of doing like a dry um October November so I started on uh what was it October 17th so it seems to be going good I'm fine like I honestly can do without alcohol I'm more of a binge drinker on the weekends with my friends like a social drinker I can take it or leave it it doesn't really matter to me so to me this hasn't been really hard um a lot of my coworkers and my friends think I'm crazy for doing that but I honestly don't find it hard and for me it's like not an all or nothing thing plus coming up to December when you know you're just going to be drinking like all the time for all the Christmas things I mean maybe there's not gonna be as many Christmas things but I don't mind indulging in Christmas I don't restrict myself whatsoever but I think it's nice just to kind of have a break leading up to it and it's not hard for me to do at all so uh, actually last year in 2019 I think it was, was 2019 or 28 oh yeah it was 2019 I um did six months no drinking I think I drank twice in those six months and one was when my really good Irish friend Saoirse, her parents were over and they were just kind of like celebrating. I can't even remember when it was. I feel like it was in the new year and I was driving home that night anyway so I had like a glass of champagne so I didn't even get drunk but and then the other time I think might have been like may long so that was almost through the end it was great and then um it was right in time for stampede um for those who don't know what stampede is it's this thing (laughs) i don't really know how to explain it basically it's for like real cowboys and stuff but everyone actually gets dressed up like i have my cowgirl boots i have a bandana that i wear I have a playlist that I listen to literally for one weekend. It goes on for 10 days though. It's apparently one of the biggest outdoor events in the world. Um, unfortunately, it was canceled this year due to COVID because um, there's thousands and thousands of people. There's no way you could even do a socially distanced uh, stampede. But you know, it's good crack. I was living here seven years before I actually went to my first ever stampede and my boyfriend's parents came out you've heard me talk about before they came out from Ontario and it was the first time I actually had met them 
and they bought Chris cowboy boots and Chris was kind of like oh god I've never owned a pair of cowboy boots before I think he was kind of put off and then once we went there it was actually great crack it was so much fun and to be honest I'll dance to anything I love 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 dancing not a good dancer and you know Chris is a great he's a good like two-stepper he wouldn't really dance to like anything else but if you get me up there I'll I will dance to anything and I just love it it's such a fun thing especially when I have a few drinks in me um that's one thing I really miss about back home in Ireland is the nightlife like the Canadian light nightlife is nothing it is nothing compared to what it's like basically all over Europe um the way I kind of compare it to like my Canadian friends is it's like stampede but every single weekend everyone gets dressed up not in cowboy boots and cowboy hats and the whole shebang but you just get dressed up you get the fake tan on the high heels on the lashes and it's great and you could just go into a pub like it could be a pub that smells like piss but you go there and you have the life of riley basically um so that's one thing i really really miss from back home is just doing that and you know it was different here when I was 18 but you wouldn't catch me dead going into cowboys now that I'm like what 23 it just wouldn't go so it needs to be like a nightclub that's good for like I think over 20 20 year olds 20 22 year olds (laughs) um because I feel like that's the major thing as you go into cowboys it's literally full of like 17 18 year olds like 17 year olds with fake IDs because that's where I went when I was 18 I literally lived in that club from Thursday because Thursday nights was draft night and you can get 25 cent beer I would just usually steal them um we're actually talking about stealing at work the other day and uh, I was like oh no I never steal now here I am uh, yeah, me and my really good friends here show would go up and while they were pouring them, they'd make them into stacks on a tray and we would just go up and we'd take a fistful and just down them. Um, well, no, we was watching. It was great. <laughs> it's a great cheap night. <gasps> um, but you would, I just wouldn't go there. So you'd literally be there from Thursday night to Saturday night. Um, Friday night was shy. Saturday night was okay. But then they would do like Halloween stuff and they do stuff for St. Patrick's Day, all that stuff. So it was a reason kind of to get like dressed up and everything. But now there's nothing really to go unless you go to like the East Coast pubs, which are a riot. They're really, really fun. And there used to be one called the Trap and Gill um, in Calgary. And that was great crack as well. I remember one night, um, my friends and my parents and some of like their parents all went out, but I didn't get to go. And my one friend was telling me that dad, my dad did not leave the dance floor. He nearly ripped the arms out of her sockets. He wouldn't stop spinning her around. Like, it's just it's just such a fun thing. And even here when we have house parties, like the one time we got the cops called to our house and they were expecting to be a whole bunch of teenagers and there was like toddlers running around the place and adults just off their faces um, at like three o'clock in the morning. And they didn't leave till five. That's just kind of like our our fun time i'm going on such a tangent here talking about parties um i don't even know where i was going with this but (laughs) yeah maybe i was talking about um fuck i actually have no idea where i was even going with this uh anyways uh, i'll just end it at that because i have no idea where i was going with it but maybe i was just saying that i miss going out for halloween and getting dressed up but we ended up having a great halloween weekend anyways I can't believe I just lost my train of thought like that. Um, and yeah, so I think that's everything that's going on. Uh, oh, I remember now. I was talking about drinking and how blah, 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 blah. Right, whatever. So yeah, I'm not drinking. End of story. See how easy it is for me to go on a tangent. Like, think of you as my client. I could literally t- 
talk about anything. It must be torture for some people. I really feel bad for them. Um, so yeah, that's all I really have to say. I haven't really been listening to much else recently. Um, I watched that new movie, The Witches. Um, it was a book by Rodell that is amazing. Um, but it's very spooky. And I also have this really, really good, if you like UK television, or if you ever lived in the UK and now you're back in Canada or wherever the hell you are in the world and you can't get like UK or Irish television, you gotta check out this app. It's called Expat Prime. So like last night, uh, my boyfriend and I were just watching the Graham Norton show and then we're watching Gogglebox and stuff like that. It was great. So that's kind of like what we're watching. It's just all reality TV and you just can't compare it. You can't compare it to American or Canadian TV. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you just can't. And anyone who knows what I'm talking about will agree. I know it for a fact. Um, yeah, <laughs> very passionate about it, as you can tell. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's all I got going on. Um, and then for today's episode, we're going to be heading all the way over to Australia. Um, and we are going to be talking about the murder in the outback so um happy listening guys please don't forget to rate review subscribe and yeah cheers okie dokie let's go so uh, today like i said we are going to be turkey turking <laughs> we are going to be talking about murder in the outback um this is a crazy story there's a channel 4 documentary on this and it's called murder in the outback about a young couple who is basically out backpacking and they get flagged down by this man um she can't tell who the man is but her husband jumps out of the car and he immediately gets shot and uh, that's kind of the bit of the story that i'm just gonna tell you but um, i'll kind of go into it now so basically uh, Peter Falcone was a British tourist who disappeared in the Australian outback in July 2001 whilst traveling with his girlfriend Joanne Lees. So he's now presumed dead. Um, so coming from Hempworth, Huddersfield in West Yorkshire, he was a graduate of Brighton University and he was only 28 years old at the time of his disappearance. Although Falcone's body has never been found, Bradley John Murdoch was convicted of the murder on December 13, 2005. The case attracted a considerable public and legal attention. So a lot of people question, was it a missing person or was it a murder? So Lees reported that while traveling at night along the short highway near Barrow Creek uh, between Alice Springs and Tennant Creek in the Northern Territory on July 14, 2001, the pair were stopped by a man waving for a couple to stop their car, indicating trouble with their car exhaust. Falcone got out of the van to help and shortly afterwards Lees heard a gunshot. She believed that Falcone had been shot dead. At the committal hearing in 2000, two, sorry, December 2004, Lee's told the court that her assist, uh, assailant uh, assistant uh, assailant then tied her wrists together, put a sack over her head, and forced her into his ute. So a ute is like a type of vehicle. Um, in in Australia, it's kind of uh, the one that she describes is kind of like a, a kind of like a white truck with um, it's kind of got a uh, a soft tarp kind of thing over the top. Um. So anyways, she said she escaped from his ute and fled into the dark, hiding in the bushes. 
While he tried to find her with a torch and a cattle dog, Falcone's body has not been found despite a massive police search. Some two years after the disappearance, Bradley John Murdoch, a, main, a man living in Adelaide, uh, was charged with rape and was found to have a possible connection with the Bower Creek on murder on July 14, 2001. Joanne Lees identified the pho- photographer... Oh my God, what is wrong with me? Joanne Lees identified the photographer... <laughs> I keep wanting to say photograph or photographer. And I'm trying to say photograph. Fuck. <laughs> So Joanne Lees identified his photograph as being the man who abducted her and the DNA from the blood, the blood stains on Lee's clothing match Murdoch's DNA. So first of all, a little bit about the Outback. Now, if you want to hear some really, really, really fucked up stories about the Outback, you just got to come and you got to talk to my mom and dad. They have the most craziest stories about the Outback in Australia. And um, the one thing about the Outback is it, it does get quite hot during the day. You've scorching sun, like just beating down on you all day long. And then the nighttime actually gets quite cold. Like you really, really have to. I remember my mom and dad when they used to go backpacking and um, camping and stuff. Because that's what they used to do. Um, my dad would get rocks and he'd put them in beside the fire. And then afterwards he'd put them inside like his socks and he put the socks inside the bed in like his sleeping bag or like in their mat underneath their mattress or whatever to warm up like whatever they're going to be sleeping on for the night because it would get that cold even though it could be like 30 40 degrees like that day and um just stuff like that and then one of the other stories that he told me um was that one night they were like driving through the outback i couldn't tell you like what highway or where they exactly were um but during the time they were backpacking, there was a lot of serial killers. Like, it was in the 80s. Um, and there was a lot of serial killers during that time in Australia. And um, one night they pulled over and they were just kind of tired of driving. It was getting so dark. You have to be very careful because here in Canada, we have to worry about, like, moose or deer or a bear or whatever you hit. But in Australia, you have to be really careful because you can hit um whatchamacallit what are those things kangaroos and they can come through and they can literally just maul you to death because they get panicked and they have these razor razor sharp sharp claws honestly i would love to live in australia but number one i'm terrified of bugs number two there's just i'm not really afraid of snakes and spiders and stuff but um even the sharks i'd be i'd be pretty scared of i think um but I still would love to live there. I really, really would. It would be, it'd be next to my list, absolutely, to live there. Um, but then again, I think I would live in fear my whole entire life. So that's another thing you have to worry about. So anyways, they're driving along the road. And um, they decide to pull over. And next thing, they're sleeping in their car. They're just like, you know, reclining the seats or whatever. And my mom wakes up and she can see like a flashlight in the mirror. And she's like, oh my God, oh my God. And they'd already heard all these stories. And my mom just starts nudging dad. She's like, dad, Eamon, Eamon, Eamon. There's someone outside, there's someone outside. And my dad jolts up. Like my dad is like literally so dramatic. Like I remember one time I was freaking out because I thought there was someone breaking in and this is in our house in Ireland. And I ran up to him and immediately he jumped, he jumped out of bed. Like, I don't know what. And he grabbed the baseball bat from underneath the bed. And I was like, Christ, okay, calm down. I was like, just letting you know. So he's very dramatic. Probably where I got that from. 
and uh he immediately was like oh my god like this could be like one of those serial killers and next thing they come to the window and they tap the window like and uh he opens it and it was a police officer and it was actually a police officer telling them to move because where they were was like the backpackers graveyard and basically it's a really bad place to pull over on the side of the road and he told them to move or else basically so yeah already the back uh the outback is a, a very scary place day or night um you should watch wolf creek if you haven't um that's a movie about australian backpackers kind of similar to the story actually where um this man pulls he, he pulls them over and he's like oh like your tracks leak um i'm gonna try and do an australian accent i don't even know why i did that <laughs> i don't even know why i was gonna try and do an australian accent because i can't <laughs> oh god i'm cringing so hard for myself right now <laughs> so um he basically pulls him over and he's like, oh, like your truck's leaking something or like, you know, one of his, one of their lights are out. But in fact, this man who pulled them over was the man who like broke whatever was in their car on purpose. He's like, oh, I, I can give you a lift. I can give you a lift. He's like, come on. You know, whenever they say like, mate, God, I should just shut up now. Um, So yeah, uh, that's a really, really good movie. And then he ends up like torturing them and it's really fucked up. It's a super gory movie. I personally don't like gore. I like more like paranormal if I'm watching a scary movie or like psychological thriller. I freaking hate gore. I just hate gore. It's disgusting to me. Um, So yeah, that's that's something you should definitely check out um, if you kind of want to give yourself the creeps for when you want to go backpacking um but that's it's a really good movie so that movie is called wolf creek and it's um a kind of similar story to kind of what i'm talking about now except not as gory so let's move on to the main sub uh, suspect of this murder so this was bradley john murdoch he was born in 1958 and he's serving life imprisonment for the july 2001 murder of the british backpacker peter falcone in australia He'll be 74 when eligible for parole. Murdoch is being held in Alice Springs Correctional Center. Um, he has lodged two appeals against his conviction. Both were unsuccessful. The High Court refused special leave to appeal on June. Uh, I'm sorry, on the 21st of June 2007. So, the early life of Murdoch isn't really a good one. Um, so Murdoch had previously lived in Broome, Western Australia and worked as a truck driver and mechanic and his previous convictions were in 1980, age 21, Murdoch received a suspended sentence after being convicted of causing death by dangerous driving. Sorry to this guy is just, this is only his first conviction. And then in 1995, Murdoch served 15 months imprisonment for shooting at people who were celebrating a football match. That's a soccer game in case my canadians are listening we don't play american football just soccer um at a football match in the remote kimberley region of western australia so this guy already has got two major convictions he seems like an angry old brute um so yeah let's let's see what else uh, this lovely uh, murdoch dude gets up to so in december 2005 murdoch was convicted by the supreme court of darwin for the murder of Falcone on a remote stretch of road in the outback Northern Territory on July 14, 2001. 
He was also convicted of the other assault related to charges of Falcone's girlfriend, Joanne Lees. He was sentenced to life imprisonment with non-parole period of 28 years. Murdoch has maintained his innocence to this day, which I think is kind of funny, even though like he's, you know, got himself in some shit previously during his trial defense lawyers claimed that police procedures were not followed correctly that joanne lee's testimony was inconsistent and that it was impossible for him to have committed the crime so this joanne lee's girl now i really was like when i watched the documentary of her i was extremely fishy i didn't like her attitude she had a really snarky kind of resentful attitude towards the interviewers when they were interviewing her uh, sorry I guess investigators when they were interviewing her and uh, she didn't shed one tear and again I know that's not everyone when they're grieving but there was no sadness in her eyes it was just like snarky like it just seems she was like smirking the whole time and if you watch it you'll see what I mean like I just I felt oh she just kind of aggravated me to be honest with you so, um, so Lee's incorrectly identified the details of the vehicle Murdoch was driving and the breed of Murdoch's dog. So he had apparently this like farm dog, which Murdoch actually did have, but it wasn't the exact breed that she had said. And Lee's, when she had seen, um, so they basically, for instance, they gave, the investigators gave her three photos of these men and immediately she pointed out Murdoch. But then later on in the trial, they found out that she actually had seen the picture of Murdoch prior this questioning, prior her like looking at these photos, which I think is so sneaky. So immediately she's like, "Mm, I'm just going to choose this guy because he's already like she's supposed to stay out of like media and the eye of the media and not be like watching the news. So it doesn't like, you know, give her that tunnel vision of like, "Mm, no, I'm going to be set on this guy. It was this guy who... Um, do this to my husband who raped me who attacked me whatever so she already has like full-blown like tunnel vision this is it only because i believe it was either someone had sent her um a news article or something along those lines i i can't really remember how it was but she definitely saw the picture of murdoch and then immediately chose the picture. So Lee's also admitted to seeing the internet photograph and an article linking Murdoch to the murder before she was interviewed by police. At the pretrial hearing, the defense determined that Lee's had, had been having an affair, even though she denied this until confronted with evidence. There are many other contradicting details given by Lee's detailed in books written by three independent writers, each questioning Lee's credibility. So she's having an affair the whole time. And a lot of people's theories were that, hmm, maybe she did hire a hitman to get rid of him. And, you know, the worst part was they were going to be going to get married that year. Like they were they were in Australia and then we're heading down to Bora Bora to get married. And she already had like multiple affairs. Like it was shocking. I, I remember re- hearing that part of the documentary and I was like, you sneaky snake. Like what this poor man he he has no idea so it was it was really quite shocking actually and i bet it was very very hard for um the the family of um falcone 
So on October 9th, 2006, Lees was interviewed on the Today program on BBC Radio 4 by John Humphreys. He proceeded to attack Lees for chasing the money side of things and cashing in on the tragedy. Lees has reportedly been paid 125,000 Australian dollars for an interview with Martin Basher and 650,000 Australian dollars advance for a book titled, quote, No Turning Back. Lees admitted to the use of ecstasy and marijuana and having sex with other men, Nick Riley in Sydney, during their trip through Australia without Peter Falcone's knowledge. Which is, oh, something that really irks me is cheating. I, I just, oh, man. It is, I think, one of the worst things you could do to someone in a relationship because you've really fucked up that other person and unfortunately this man doesn't know which i think is so sad and i think you have to be a really really sneaky malicious type of person to do that and continue on with your relationship like it's it's really really quite sad and i know everyone makes mistakes when they're younger and everything too but there's just something when you're an adult and you're more aware but some adults aren't they really really aren't and i've learned that i have clients tell me these horrible stories you know they find a receipt in their in their car and it's you know lingerie or it's jewelry that wasn't for them and it's not anywhere near christmas and shit like that like that's just horrible or hey what's that movie the christmas movie fuck um and then the guy from harry potter and that wife and she's like oh my god he's bought me this necklace he's bought me this necklace and on christmas morning she opens the box and it's a bloody cd and she knows that he's cheating on her oh what is that movie called love actually oh my god that scene breaks my heart how could you do that poor woman so dirty like she was so excited for that little heart necklace and you gave it to some freaking sly dog in your work yeah she was really pretty and hot and stuff but come on oh whatever his name is that harry potter guy I don't know. I don't watch Harry Potter, but you know who I'm talking about. What a twat. Oh, God, I hated him for that. I hated him. That that irks me so much, that scene in that movie. <laughs> so, um, Aboriginal trackers also question the old age of blood samples found at the crime site. The lack of any footprints or other traces of anyone having been in the bushes or in the area at all, except for Joanne Lee's. So, another thing she said, so, first of all, they take her in the documentary they take her back to where they think she would have like jumped out and um ran into the bushes first of all she was bound in the back of the car and you know gagged and was wearing something over her head so she managed to get out and undo her zip ties which is very very hard to do unless they're like right in front of you but she was they're tied from behind she gets out and she runs into the bush now when we talk about bush here in canada it's quite deep and you can't really see very far but the bush that she was in it's quite low and it's not like there's like leaves it's like literally all like just twigs basically off trees and they're just like tiny little bushes it's pitch black he had a dog with him and she was actually quite close to the highway where she claimed she was hiding and he never found her and he was searching for her for two hours and the only footprints investigators could find no dog footprints to begin with or they couldn't find another like adult size footprint like a man's shoe 
So nothing ever came up of that, which I think is very, very suspicious. Um, and like two whole hours, he was looking for her and then he eventually drove off and she was right close to where she had gotten out. Like, I just don't, I don't buy that. I really don't buy that. So the prosecution placed a great emphasis on the fact that Murdoch was in the service station near Alice Springs on the night of the alleged murder and that this is a, this is close to where the crime took place. However, Alice Springs is well over 100 miles away from Barrow Creek and therefore Murdoch's presence at the service of the station does not actually implicate him in any way to the crime. Um, which is really hard like when you start to add up like, you know, timing and stuff. An NT police spokeswoman confirmed the authorities were still considering giving a $250,000 reward for information that led to Murdoch's conviction. Police said previously that the only person being considered for the reward was Murdoch's former drugs partner, James Heppy. A convicted criminal now living in South Australia, Heppy tipped off NT police that Murdoch was a killer in return for suspended jail sentence and the drug charges. So, again, in the documentary... Um, there were some truckers that were driving by and um, that's actually how she got help she waved down this one trucker and the trucker said there wasn't anything wrong with her like he she just kind of seemed like a little bit distraught but nothing nothing crazy like nothing like oh my god ah, like nothing he was just like she kind of got in the car quite or the truck quite calm and um yeah, like just stuff like that. And then another truck driver drove by and he couldn't see anything wrong with the whole scene. He just saw a camper van parked on the side of the road. Um, and it was a really cute, cute little camper van too, I have to add in. I love my camper vans. So on December 12, 2006, Murdoch appealed against his life sentence in the Supreme Court where his lawyers lodged eight grounds of appeal. Murdoch claims the evidence of Lee's was tainted because she had seen a photograph of Murdoch on the internet before she was interviewed by police and an article linking Murdoch to the murder. The appeal was dismissed on January 10, 2007 and the appeal on the High Court of Australia was un- unsuccessful. So... The location of Peter Falcone's body remains a mystery. However, in mid-August 2007, some sections of the Australian media speculated that Murdoch may soon reveal the whereabouts of Falcone's remains. Specifically, the Australian press mentioned that he does not enjoy the conditions of the Baramaya prison. Is it Bur- Barama? Berima? No, I think it's Baramaya prison on the outskirts of Darwin, Australia and may reveal the location of Falcone's body in exchange for transfer to the prison of Western Australia now that all avenues of appeal for Murdoch have been exhausted. Murdoch uh, maintains his innocence and says that although he would love to transfer back to where he terminally, to where his terminally ill mother lives, he cannot give information on something he knows nothing about. So Bradley Murdoch's jury trial began on October 18, 2005 in Durham Branch, the Northern Territory Supreme Court, where he was tried for the murder of Falcone and assaults of Joanne Lees. The trial concluded in May 2006 with conviction of the Murdoch in all counts. He was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum non-parole period of 28 years. Northern Territory directors of public prosecution Rex Wilde uh, QC said that the court that there were pieces of evidence linking Murdoch to the uh, scene of the crime. 
His DNA was a match and the bloodstains of Joanne Lee's t-shirt, a smear of blood on the gear stick and the couple's car and DNA located in tape using the killer to bind her wrist. These were uh, assertions um, have all disputes between Murdoch's defense team who are Grant Algy and Mark Twiggs. To cope with the demand of the trial and the huge media uh, contingent covering the trial proceedings, Darwin Branch of the, War um, of the Northern Territory Supreme Court was refitted at a cost of 900000 Australian dollars. So this kind of went on for a very long time. You know, even now, like that documentary only came out like a while ago and it's still, people still don't really know like what is happening. So... A lot of people think Peter Falcone actually faked his own death and um, and that when Peter Falcone and Joanne Lee stopped by the side of the road near Barrow Creek, it was to meet with the third man, a description unknown, in order to take Peter Falcone away alive. I, I remember they talked about this actually in the documentary and, you know, it's so weird because like, usually I'm kind of weird about some theories. I'm like, hmm, it doesn't really make sense. But, you know, sometimes in these in these cases you just never know like what really could like go on and stuff so um it's quite interesting to me so um police planted evidence with the assistance of Murdoch's former drug running partner James Heppy who had quote both motive and opportunity end quote to frame Murdoch after Murdoch had been central to Heppy's arrest Algie and Twiggs pointed to the absence of blood on the crime scene, the mix-up with DNA, the lack of a body, the sightings, um, the sightings of Hulkoni in the days thereafter. Oh yeah, because a lot of people thought they saw him. I'll never forget that actually that one part. Um, this man who owned like a, I think it was like a, a liquor store. He swore to God, like after a couple of days afterwards that he got missing or you know he he'd been dead, that. Falcone came in, bought some stuff, talked to him, and not soon after, his picture popped up on the television again. He was like, he was just fucking in here, and he actually tipped it off to the police and everything, and never did anything. And um, when they go back to the documentary, you know, his like shop had been like taken down; it's it's no longer there anymore, which is really unfortunate because I think they were like going to do that for like evidence and stuff, and the shop had like shut down there at some point. So. Um, yeah, like a lot of people thought they saw him. I think another person saw him like a cafe in the outback at some like a, some like restaurant. So the defense suggested that sometimes from time to time for reasons best unknown to themselves, people just disappear. That sometimes they are found again, sometimes not. So the closing argument then, um, Bradley John Murdoch saw Joanne Lees and Peter Falcone while in Alice Springs and believed that they were following him so he drove behind them they travelled along the Stuart Highway and then stopped as they got rid as to get rid of them because he feared that they may be spying on him and may contact the police in relation to his drug running after stopping them he panicked and killed Peter Falcone making sure that there was no blood anywhere making a shot directly in his head then abducted Joanne Lees binding her with the cable ties and putting her in the back of his vehicle after putting Lees in the back of his vehicle Murdoch was trying to dispose of the body when Joanne Lees escaped into surrounding shrubland Murdoch then searched her for her with his dog and flashlight after five hours searching. He gave up. I believe it was only two hours, but here it's saying five. You know, good old copy and paste. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, Murdoch buried Falc uh, 
volcano um, in an unknown place in central Australia outback having wrapped volcano's head with Lee's uh, denim jacket so as to prevent blood getting in the vehicle. Then Murdoch panic, panicked and rather than driving through the bush straight to Broome, he drove all the way back to Alice Springs where he spotted on closed circuit television at the truck stop getting supplies for heading to Broome where he travelled at a non-stop great speed taking um, amphetamines to keep himself awake and alert. Murdoch then alerted his uh, physical appearance as well as the vehicle's appearance so to avoid uh, attention and immediately stopped running drugs because he feared that he might be linked to the murder. Um, Mr. Wilde suggested that there was no evidence whatsoever of any police corruption and urged the jurors to dismiss his suggestions as an unfounded conspiracy theory that was, uh, quote, plucked out of thin air. He suggested that all the evidence points to obvious conclusion that Murdoch killed Falcone. Um, he started while he stated that whilst nobody has been found yet, it will be eventually it will be eventually found that it was only a matter of time, but that it quote may take quite some time. End quote. Um, Mr. Wiles stated that Joanne Lee should be expected to have a mild uh, discrepancies with Murdoch's appearance, such as the length of the colour of his hair, not noticing his teeth, the description of his car and dog, and other inconsistencies because Lee's was under a lot of stress and pressure during the incident. Mr. Wilde and the jury um, to told the jury to ignore the evidence and sightings after Peter Falcone dismissed as they were inaccurate, highlighting disappearance, disappearances in the stories and various people who said to have seen him alive days after the attack. Mr. Wallace said the DNA did match and that there was no chance that it was not Murdoch's DNA and hence the, hence the jury must find him guilty. Mr. Wallace said that Murdoch's was a methodical killer and that the crime was premeditated to get rid of some people suggested that he may have thought Leslie's traveling alone. Uh, since Falcone was asleep in the back when she drove by, Mr. Wells stated that the methodical actions uh, to get rid of evidence suggesting Murdoch committed the offence as well as quickly getting away suggested the acts of someone with extreme uh, premeditation and that it was in the work of an ob obsessive methodical person and a man just like Murdoch. So they really, really... I think, you know, some people are kind of torn between what really happened and happened. And I, I, I do believe that I think a lot of the UK thought that she did it. A lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people kind of tie him to this, but then a lot of people tie her to it as well. So... Um, what I thought was really cool then after I was coming to talk to you guys about uh, Wolf Creek in early 2005 a film made in Australia Wolf Creek was shown at the Cannes Film Festival and shown on national release in the United Kingdom and Ireland on September 16, 2005 it was released in Australia on the 3rd of November 2005 um, apart from the Northern Territory where it was released in January 2006 after the trial was finished so it was not um, to influence the jury so I wish I think is a really good point. I think that's really good that they did that. They didn't um, release it. And I think that's kind of a fun fact as well. The film was advertised as being based on, uh, quote, true stories, although the producers have said that it is not directly linked to any specific stories. Media outlets have suggested 
that producers have said that it is not directly linked to any specific stories. Media out... Um, oh my God, I just read the same thing. Showtime murders has been suggested because of the manner with which people have, were killed. So in March 2007, Channel 10 in Australia showed an account of what had happened. They assumed the murder of the trial afterwards from Joanne Lee's perspective. It, it was shown on April, 2000, April 8, 2007 on ITV1 in the UK and later in New Zealand on TV1 on the 10th of June 2007. So then there's also like another claim here. So um, during Murdoch's committal hearing, Lee's mentioned that she and Falcone stopped at the Red Rooster restaurant in Alice Springs. Murdoch claimed to have stopped at the same restaurant to buy chicken for himself and his dog. Quote, first thing in Alice pulled into the Red Rooster. Chicken roll, box of nuggets for Jack, full chicken for the trip. End quote. Grant Algy suggested that Murdoch might cut himself in advertently left blood at the restaurant and later transferred Lee's shirt explaining the presence of DNA there. So that's why um, because we're in the same restaurant basically at the same time going down the same road they think that that's how Falcone's DNA ended up with Murdoch. Um, so to me I mean that's kind of a tricky one because it's like well how did he hardly like was bleeding while he was eating chicken you know. So, however, when he was arrested in South Australia on charges later thrown out of court for alleged rape of a woman and her daughter, part of his grocery shopping contained roasted chicken, thus providing he prepared to buy chicken for either him and her or his dog. Hence, the bulletin article um, demonstrates nothing about Murdoch's disposition towards the chicken. Um, so that's kind of like the last theory um, with everything to do with the murder in the outback now i think that's a pretty good story um like i said you got to watch um uh geez what's it called wolf creek it's really really scary and really messed up so definitely check that out and let me know what you think about it um i really enjoyed it we actually watched it recently again um it is gory so just a pre-warning but that is the story of um murder in the outback i uh hope you enjoy this episode sorry my sister's screaming my name there is literally no peace and quiet in this house at all um but uh yeah so please don't forget to rate review subscribe um i hope you enjoyed this episode and i hope you have a lovely weekend and i hope the rest of your week ended okay um and yeah happy listening Bye bye